Hello, my name is Chet Czar. I'm your host of this podcast here, and it's called the Dark Art Society Podcast. Today we are interviewing artist Jeremy Cross, who has some really cool, weird, fucked up work. He's a very creative guy. Uh, we had a great conversation, very fun interview, and uh, yeah, so it's a it's a good one. So stick around and listen to it. I enjoy talking with him, and I, I really like his work. It's it's uh, really different, as I talk about in the podcast interview. Okay, what's going on with me? I am still organizing my life, my studio, my office. I mean, it's a deep clean. Uh, I've I've got um, family helping me, you know, organize my filing system and going through things and getting rid of papers and that's uh, great. Just what I need to start this new year off right. So I've been doing that. I've been doing get, finishing up on some commission stuff because you know I've fallen behind in, on everything because of the situation I'm in, which I've talked about many times. I'm working on the book, which is very exciting. The dystopia book, which is going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, I'm not going to keep talking about it, though, because I'm sure you're sick of hearing about it. Uh, what else? Yeah, you know, just I've got study commissions to catch up on, and I've got big commissions to catch up on, and um, the dystopia book, and... Currently, I've got this these tool posters. I think I've talked about this. Have I talked about this? Um, I did some a couple tool posters and uh, designs for these gig posters. And part of the deal is uh, the artists get to sell the posters themselves. So the, the the band gives us signed posters. So I've got these posters. I just need to figure out how to roll them out properly, and you know what the market value is, how I'm going to price them and all that stuff. So I'm kind of figuring that out right now. Um, I, uh, uh, I just, you know, I want to do it right. So I'm, I, and I've just been so, so much going on with organizing and, and just, you know, dealing with life that it's been hard, but I'm going to do them, uh, at least start releasing them this month probably release them. I don't know if I'm going to release them all this month, but definitely this month I'm releasing them at least starting. Uh, I don't see that's the thing. I don't know if I'm going to do them in batches or if I'm going to do them all at once. I just don't know. I have to figure it out. Uh, but, uh, if you want first chance at getting them, I'm offering them to, like I do all of my merchandise, I'm offering them to my $50 a month, Patreon subscribers first. Um, this was not some big plan I had had. It's, this is how I've been doing things the last, I think, two years now. If you join my Patreon for 50 bucks a month, you get $20 or 20% off. As long as you're subscribing, you get 20% off uh, anything in my web store and you get first opportunities to buy studies or any kind of new merchandise I'm selling. So the posters are new merchandise. So, uh, uh, people at the $50 level on Patreon will get first opportunity. Then I sell once everyone at the $50 level has gotten their fill. Then I go to the lower Patreon tiers and offer uh, the remaining posters to them. And if those, 
If there's any left, then I'll sell to the general public. So that's the way it's going. If you want to join my Patreon, it's patreon.com slash chetzar. Um, so that's going on. I'm getting that, dealing with that this week. Uh, what else? That's pretty much it. That's my life lately. It's just nice to be working in a clean space again because, man, things just got insane with the holidays. Uh, I, I had a good holiday season for sales and stuff. Uh, it just got, you know, messy. Everything got messy and crazy and disorganized. So, um, All right. Let's get on to new subscribers here because we, we do have some new subscribers. Now, when you join the Dark Art Society Patreon, which is patreon.com slash darkartsociety, you can join for a dollar a month, as little as a dollar a month, or as much as you want. But uh, not only get, do you get into the secret Facebook group, which is really cool, we, we've got this new website, which is really amazing, that Josh G built, and um, that's kind of our home base. We're trying to get people to play in the on the website instead of Facebook because Facebook is a uh, kind of a hellhole and um, you know they're kind of evil so it's better to you know not give them your data if possible or, or as, as little as possible so that's that dark darkartsociety.com but you get in there when you join the patreon you have to join the patreon to get in there at least that's how we have it structured for now. Um, so new subscribers. Let me see. I think the last one I mentioned was Larry. Uh, okay. Okay, I've got Abhi Dati. A-B-H-I-T-H-A-T-I. Thank you. I've got Michael Robert Miller. Thank you. Hamana Leong. Thank you for subscribing. Brian Sheehan. Thank you, Brian. And Ron Ransom. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the podcast. This keeps the podcast free for everybody. And you can do it for a dollar a month. It's a bargain, really. $12 a year. I mean, that's... that's uh, you could find a dollar a month probably on the ground if you looked for it, went outside looking for, for money every so often, like once a week. You could probably find it a dollar a month, finding spare change. Anyway, uh, that, that's that. Okay, so let's get on with the five questions so that we can get on with the fun Jeremy Cross interview. Okay, five questions, five questions. Tony Saavedra. Now, Tony Saavedra is asking the first question. He is my... He was my English teacher from high school. He was one of the few really cool teachers I liked. And um, his classes were, I had a creating, creative writing class with him, and his English class was even cool. And he, he was the drama teacher, and I did makeup for the drama class and stuff. So his classes were kind of like one of the few classes that I enjoyed other than my art classes. I was thinking the other day how much I hated school. Man, I hated school. I hated school. I just hated having to go somewhere, having to get up and be somewhere that I didn't want to be. But isn't that the case with most kids? Okay, Tony Savager asked, how many hours of thinking do you think you do before you even start a sketch or an idea? What are some of those thoughts? 
you know, usually there's not a ton of thinking involved. It's more doodling. And once I have something down, I really need to see something. I'm a visual learner, I think. And I have to see something on paper for it to make sense. I mean, this has been a big problem with the dystopia project because while we've had all the images um, pretty much together and all the text written by Mike Carell, um, I haven't been able to see it. It's really hard for me to, you know, obviously I can create things, but it's hard for me to just not have some kind of visual map to follow. And, and for me, a doodle is kind of like this visual starting place, at least, that I need to get to get things started. So I'll usually start with a doodle. And then the thinking kind of happens while I'm drawing the thing. Uh, but it is always different. Sometimes I, I'll just occasionally get a, an idea out of nowhere. And um, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll get an idea and jot it down quickly. It's always kind of different. But if I was just to sit down and and uh, create like a, a solo show, I would probably start with a title or a rough idea, something that excites me, and, and then kind of build upon that. And usually the, the ideas for a whole show come while I'm trying to come up with different ideas for different paintings. And, you know, it takes a while. And that's one thing I just posted on my Patreon, a pro tip, because I do these pro tips at the $5 level where I talk about, um, you know, different artist pro tips that I think would be helpful for people. And one of them was today's I posted was giving yourself enough time to not paint while you're painting something so that you can, um, you know, let the painting settle in, in your mind kind of, and look at it, spend time looking at it. And so I kind of laid out why I think that's important and how I do it. So, um, uh, another benefit, that's the other thing about the Patreon. If you're joining my Patreon, if you're joining for the, uh, tool posters, there's a ton of content, ton of content on there. Lots of time lapses and stuff. Okay. Enough pitching. All right. Uh, okay. I hope that answered your, your, your question, Tony. Or Mr. Saavedra, as I'm used to calling you. Um, he's also in the I Like to Paint Monsters, the movie that Mike Carell made about me and my artwork. You know, oh, I wish I had the address, the web address. Let me see if I can look it up while I'm doing this. Um, we have kind of like started and stopped and really not kept on um, with this little campaign. Uh, okay. Uh, we're trying to get, I like to paint monsters, this documentary. If you haven't seen it, it is really good. It's really good. Uh, it's not, you know, it would be, I don't know. I wouldn't have let it get released if it wasn't good. That was kind of the deal we had. I told when Mike came to me to do this documentary, I was like, if you let me, you know, if I get the, basically the final say, cause I didn't know him that well at the time. And if, if I can, you know, basically it's me saying yes or no, once the project's done, uh, then I'll do it. And so that's why I can say that the, the product is good. You know me, I don't put out, I don't like to put, you know, things out that aren't as good as possible. And I definitely wouldn't put out a crappy movie about me. And I really, I really think it's a great film. It's a great documentary just as a film on its own, I think. And Pretty much, you know, 
everybody I've talked to that's seen it really likes it. It's just kind of been flying under the radar except for the real hardcore fans. So anyway, we, we've been really wanting to get it on Netflix. So one thing you can do if you want to try and get uh, get this do- a documentary on Netflix is now I'm looking at the web address here. It's https colon slash slash whatever uh, help dot netflix dot com forward slash en forward slash title request. I'm sure if you go to the Netflix help center, it'll there's a little uh, link. Actually, I'll put the link in the description. And if you can go in there and type in for your titled suggestion, Chet Czar, I like to paint monsters. And if we get enough people doing that, we'll get it on Netflix. You know, if hundreds of people or thousands of people did it, it would get on Netflix. And, you know, that would be the ultimate, easily accessible to people. Um, because right now it's on iTunes, which you have to rent, and not everybody has Apple TV to do that. Uh, it's cool that it's on there, but getting it on Netflix would open it up to a wider audience. So look in the description of the podcast today, and I'll have a link there for it. Um, anyway. I don't know how I got off on this tangent. Oh, Tony Savager's in the in the movie. He, he was interviewed about me. Uh, okay. Trent Lloyd, do you ever see someone's art and naturally make an assumption as to what they look or act like? Bekshinsky comes to mind. In his later years, he looked similar to my grandfather, and for some reason, it's hard for me to imagine that guy painted such awesome dark stuff. Me too. I remember when I first saw Bekshinsky, I was like, whoa, it's kind of kind of cool that he looks like a grandpa. Um, so, yeah, it's it's hard not to imagine what what the person's like when you look at artwork, although. Mm, I don't know that I do that much when I look at a painting. Imagine what they're like. It's hard to imagine what they're like. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I. I guess probably you subconsciously just do it naturally, though. When you see art, you kind of have an idea of what the person might look like, but I don't know. Sorry, I don't have a better answer. But I did I did have the same feeling about Bekshinsky. To me, that is just makes it so cool that he just doesn't look like the kind of guy. He does, he's not all gothed out. It's like, you know, when you, um, when you make art like that, you don't have to put on any airs you didn't have to dress up <laughs> you know it's like you you are the thing that people are dressing up to emulate uh okay so just kind of shows what a badass he was i think uh staller scam scam staller scam s-k-a-m i don't know if i've asked this before or i've 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 read this one before but i don't think so uh do you find you're excluded from art events because your work is dark slash horror inspired uh not anymore but that's that's because i'm not you know if i were if i were applying to like you know the rotary club's annual flower painting show i'm sure i wouldn't get in but uh uh certainly in the past you know, before I had a name, I would get excluded often from art events. I would apply and, and get no response. People did not give a shit. Um, there was a time when 
nobody cared about what I was doing at all. You know, nobody gave a shit. So that's normal though. That's, you know, you kind of have to build a reputation up and, and build your body of work up. Uh, and that takes time and persistence and you got to keep going. You got to keep pushing. Um, so at this point, it's more like, you know, dark art inspired events will come to me just because I've got my name out there my connection with tool. I've been around for a while. I've been promoting myself for a long time. So, uh, it's paid off all that hard work, but, uh, I certainly can relate to your question early on. It was frustrating because I felt like my work was really good, but nobody would give me a chance or not. Nobody cannibal flower gave me a chance. Copro gave me a chance. Think space gave me a chance. Strict nine gallery gave me a chance. Last rights gave me a chance. So cool places gave me a chance early on. But, um, you know, there was a time in the beginning when, you know, it was pretty much cannibal flower was the only place I could, I could get a, a show at. And, um, that's because they're cool and they're, they're that, that they were that kind of event. It was like for getting new artists, their, their foot in the, in the door. And they were very open to different styles of artwork. Uh, okay. That was three. I got two more here. Um, Colin Nolt, who writes the most amazing posts on Facebook. The dude is a genius. I keep telling him, you gotta, you gotta become a politician or a writer or something. I think he's a tattoo artist, but anyway, hopefully I didn't read this one either. Sometimes I forget to cross them out. If not, you know, if I have a, well, do you purposely inject social commentary and or psychological issues, concepts into your work or discover it in the finished piece or discover it in the finished piece after the fact? Both of those are true. Probably what happens more often than not is after the fact, I will find out what the piece is about and it has, you know, there's psychological issues of mine in there or political things. Uh, sometimes I will throw them in there, but I never like to hit people over the head with it. I don't like that. I like subtlety in art vagueness. Um, I think it makes for a deeper painting, but a good example of something that I purposely put social commentary in is a painting called, um, Siamese clowns. It didn't start off that way, but once I was painting it, I've kind of realized it. And then I started uh, tweaking it to have like a political bent on it. Um, the painting is two, of course, creepy clown heads, but they're, you know, joined at the, like they have the same body. It's just two heads and that kind of frilly thing that clowns have around their neck. Some clowns have, so they're like, uh, conjoined clowns. Um, but then I realized, you know, one's on the right and one's on the left and, you know, one's looking at the other in a crazy way, like a scared way. And then the other one, the one on the right's kind of older looking and, um, doesn't have eyes and smoking a cigar. And it was kind of like, you know, political right and left and, so then I was like, okay, I'm going to do, I'll make the colors red, white, and blue, but it's subtle. It's not like you probably wouldn't notice it. And I think that's way better because 
you know, like I said, I don't like to beat people over the head with a message. To me, that just kind of ruins art when you when you when it's just like that. Then it becomes like an editorial cartoon. Um, when when it's just all spelled out for you like that, it's it's cooler, I think, when you look at an image for a year or two and then you realize, oh wow, I, I see that thing. I wonder if that was intentional or whatever. So, um, okay. I think that was number four, one, two, three, four. Okay. Number five, Shannon Norell. How do you paint and watch television at the same time? Well, I don't really do that. What I do is I have a TV next to my easel and I watch documentaries, but I don't actually watch them. I listen to them, but you know, I look from time to time at it and I've watched, you know, I don't know. I put stuff on all the time while I'm painting. It's more, I'm more listening to it. And I like, I like that it kind of takes my mind off of what I'm doing in a way. So I'm not, I don't know. I, I, I like, I like that it, it, uh, it occupies my mind a little bit in that, like intellectually so that I'm just creating creatively and not really thinking that much about it. Um, it doesn't distract me for some reason. It's to me, it's kind of like listening to music. Now it's weird because when I write, if I, if I have to do posts, um, for my Patreon or something and I need to write a bunch of text, I cannot listen to anything with words. I can't have a movie on. I mean, it just completely, I can't do it. So it's gotta be something to do with the part of the brain I'm using for those two activities. So Let's get on with it. Jeremy Cross, episode 146. I think you're going to like this one. Here we go. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, Chet. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm running late as usual. I'm so sorry to leave you waiting like that. That was, uh, I don't, I don't like to do that, <clears throat> but I, I caught up on some done twiddling. So we're good. <laughs> I apologize for that. No um, worries. Yeah. So you're, you're, it looks like you're in your, uh, evil dungeon from what I can see. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's almost pitch black. I gotta, so dark. I gotta, I gotta do a screen grab of this because you'll, you'll crack up when you see it. <laughs> okay i'm gonna post that on the patreon it's funny um <clears throat> yeah so uh uh how are you what have you been up i'm to? good i mean i think like a lot of people right now i'm you know fighting off you know illness goddamn uh, winter you know and fucks us all up yeah well you got a kid too so that's like the double whammy yeah, when he's back in school yep. after uh, after Christmas break, like I feel like it's you know it's plague. Yep, yep, plague, plague city when it comes to kids. Yeah, um, perpetual. Yeah, I was just telling you we were just talking a second ago, and I was saying how you're again. Uh, I've said this a few times, but you're um, like the perfect guest for this show because I know you well enough to talk to you and not feel uncomfortable or nervous because we've known each other for how long now? It's been a, forever. It seems like. I mean, I feel like we've known each other for got to be close to 10 years. Yeah, for sure. Like, at least. Yeah, not, I mean, I feel like I got to know you maybe a lot better the last four or five, but yeah. You just, I mean, we were always showing in the same shows and hanging out at the same galleries. So, but again, I, you know, we haven't really talked much 
personal stuff, so I don't know that much about you. So you're one of those kind of perfect guests that's easy to interview because I know you, but I don't know you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally, man. So tell me, what do you really like? <laughs> just kidding. Um... <laughs> you're just a lovable teddy bear of a guy. Yeah, yeah. It depends on who you ask, I guess. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let's 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 start let's start with your your your. Uh, your story. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Bakersfield, California. Oh, no way. I didn't know you're from Bakersfield. Okay. Yeah. Not something I hide, but not something I broadcast. <laughs> you know, I don't wear shirts that say Bakersfield on them or anything. But yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It's a shitty little small town in the butthole of California. Okay. But you're not bitter. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh what were you the art kid i mean were you were you always into this or what no i was the trouble kid you were the uh, trouble kid so you really were the, the, tr- the punk rocker that you still look like yeah i was i was the trouble kid i mean there was art um <laughs> but you know mostly i was into getting into trouble that's there's a lot of that but it's it's so boring in a town like that that you know even when you're really young you're just struggling to find anything to right. do Trouble's the easiest thing to do. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it really is. So. Yeah, well, that's where getting into art earlier would have probably served you. Because um, people that get into art when they're little kids tend to withdraw and never leave the house. <laughs> yeah, I, you know? I, I I, mean, I did do art as a kid. I'm not going to say I didn't. But um, it, was, it wasn't really something I was very passionate about. It was... Oh circumstantially there to, to pass the time. Like I was forced to go to church a lot as a kid. Oh, really? And I drew, Interesting. um, I drew and I was allowed to draw. In Everything's church. making sense now. <laughs> 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 Bakersfield church, troublemaker. You're so fucked up, man. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. You were drawing At what point did you become like passionate about it though? When did you really get into it? Uh, it wasn't until my early 20s that I started to really take it seriously. Oh, okay. Late bloomer. Yeah. Before that, it was it, it was always there. I was always doing something creative, but it, I was I really wanted to be a writer. Oh, was, really? Hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I did a lot of writing um, in my teenage years. Did you read a lot? Uh, Were you a big reader? I was. A huge reader. I still am. Oh, cool. Um, but I, I, uh, I was running poetry readings by the time I was 15. Wow. At a local coffee shop there. and That's pretty amazing. Uh, so, like, yeah, the written word was, was first, and then that transitioned to writing music and singing in a band. And, you know, it wasn't until the band kind of faltered that uh, I was like, well, shit, man, I got to do something that I don't have to rely on anybody else for. Yeah, right. <laughs> I had that same thing happen to me. So I uh, was like, you know, what? fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna start painting. I don't have to have band practice to paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, being in a band's hard, man. It's not easy. It's a blast when it works. Oh it's yeah, cool. it's great. You know, I love I, I, things I ever did. But yeah, you were in a band for a long time, right? Yeah, like ten years. I was in different bands. I was trying to make it, but <clears throat> it it worked out though because you know it's hard to make money with music nowadays. So. Yeah, yeah, I did about ten years uh, as as well, mm. um, and uh, never, you know, you know, we got a lot of gigs in in Bakersfield and around, you know, the uh, Southern California, but it never really grew anything past that. Yeah, was it a punk band? No, it was a weird fucking band. Oh wow! 
terrible name. I didn't pick the name. We were called Vega Bound. Vega Bound, okay. <laughs> so sort of like Vagabond, but uh, okay. <laughs> Vega meaning star and like bound. Like it was good. I had, I had a couple of hippies in the band. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was that. And then I had a bluegrass player play guitar. No and, way, really? Um, a Sounds... classical trained violinist. And then Holy shit. Not, nothing I would have thought. <laughs> weird punk rock me. And uh, yeah, it was. Have you ever heard 16 Horsepower? No. We were compared to them a lot. There's, there's sort of a bluesy rock alt kind of outfit. But yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And so that was that was what I did. Okay. So I do it. Yeah, so so that broke up and then uh, you know, where were you at in life where you were like considering um, art and all that? I was living on the central coast, uh, near San Luis Obispo with a girl and uh, I got an opportunity to do a corporate gig with Starbucks. Um, I was managing uh, one at the time there and, and so they offered me that and it gave me the chance to move back to LA. I'd done it a couple times before it and hadn't stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took that and I ended up doing corporate stuff with Safeway and Starbucks for another 10 years. Holy shit. I didn't know like, this. Like suit and tie. Every no day. way, really. Hundred and sixty-eight stores under my belt. Wow, what what were you like, doing? I was a regional director for licensed stores inside of Safeways. Wow. Oh, inside the 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 Starbucks inside of Safeways. You were, you kind yeah. of oversaw all those. Yeah, so I, I was in charge of making sure that they opened correctly and maintained operations and standards and all that wow. stuff. Wow, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of responsibility. It was. It was very stressful. It was a lot of hours. Good money, I hope. It was great money. Yeah, yeah. That's um, good. I hated it. Oh, really? Hated it. Every huh? bit of my body, I hated it. <laughs> um, I liked the I, when I first started. I liked it because I traveled a lot. Uh-huh. I had stores all the way up to Northern Cal and a couple of, in Las Vegas and San Diego and like all over the place. I was on the road a lot, mm-hmm. and. Um, and that was cool when I was young and uh, uh, and wanting to, you know, just party and have a good time. But, you know, you start getting older, settle down, married, have a yep, kid. Yeah. Uh, you know, that doesn't seem so fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Definitely. You don't have to tell me. I don't leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> Except for to sure. Go to the occasional art show. Um, <clears throat> okay. So how do you go from that to uh, <laughs> doing your crazy i don't even know how to describe your stuff it's definitely in the dark art spectrum but it's like got this element of folk art and punk rock art and it's definitely like different than anything anybody else is doing that's what i like about your work being in um you know to be able to call it dark art and have it be part of the whole circles because you're representing this weird little niche that no one else has i don't think that i can think of little niche (laughs) what's that I said, "Yay, weird little niche." <laughs> That's where it's at, man. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm doing too. You on my <laughs> well, you you found your own spot in this big umbrella, is the way I see it, you know, which is cool. And it's so it's like that's one thing I'm always trying to promote is that you know, dark art isn't just one thing that a lot of people think it is when they hear the word. It's like there's a whole bunch of other uh, aspects to it. 
Yeah, mean, the uninitiated, and even some of the sort of initiated, definitely have a preconceived notion when you use that uh, that combination of words. Yeah, and yeah. It's really fun to blow their minds and say, no, 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 no. It, it, yeah. it can be super colorful. It can be fucking hilarious. Right, exactly. That's the other um, thing is there's that, yeah, definitely the hilarity aspect soul in your work. crushingly brutal <laughs> yeah. like it can, it can be all this stuff and you know it's as long as it's you know pulling some kind of emotion out of you then we win right 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 so okay <laughs> how how the hell did you come up with that how where did you, how did you get there from a corporate gig where you're making all kinds of money to uh being this artist doing this crazy stuff well, I, uh, like I said, I, right after I moved back to L.A., uh, actually, I met my wife right after I moved back to L.A. Mm-hmm. So while I'm doing the corporate gig, she introduces me to Bill Schaefer. Oh, okay. Uh, owner of Hyena Gallery. Mm-hmm. And, well, not then. He, he was about a year out from opening Hyena Gallery when I met him. Oh, what was he doing uh, then? Uh, he was running a record store out in Springfield, uh, Missouri or uh, Massachusetts, oh, Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. Like near Boston, I guess. Okay. Uh, so me and him became fast friends uh, really quickly. And, you know, I'd been doing work again since I moved back and I showed him and he said, do you want to be the first show at Hyena when I open? And I oh, said, no oh. way. So <laughs> kind of a hell of a break. Yeah. Uh, to go from all, all I'd ever shown up before that was coffee shops and bars. Wow. And, um, to, you know, having my first gallery show be also my first solo show and the first show ever at a really cool gallery. Yeah. Well, the, you know, you didn't know it was going to be a really cool gallery yet. I guess they hadn't, hadn't proven themselves yet. Cause it was brand new. So it was like a fortuitous <clears throat> pairing, I suppose, you know, for sure. Yeah. He That's was just, awesome. He was such a great rad dude. We're still, you know, really good friends. I get to, yeah, you know, get to as much as I like anymore. But yeah, yeah, he's he's a cool, great, great guy. Definitely. So from that, um, I started. I was doing a, a solo show every year for like five. The first five years of Hyena, I was doing that, and then through that, I ended up showing at the Hive and mm-hmm. a couple other small galleries uh, around LA. Um, did you do Cannibal and, Flower? I did. Okay, because that's I did a bunch of Cannibal Flower. Probably where we first met. I that imagine. makes sense. Yeah, and that would be more than ten years ago, I think. What year? What year are you thinking this is? Um. Well, my when Hyena opened it was thirteen years ago. Oh, okay. And then so I probably started. Hold on. Shh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Right. Big, you know, hundred twenty pound pit bull. They, they get loud. Excellent. Um, we love it. Uh, you know. <laughs> yes, we love that. Dog friendly uh, podcast. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Where was I? I got distracted by dog. Uh, what year do you think you were showing at Cannibal Flower? Okay, so we're probably looking at 2008, nine. Yeah, that sounds about right. That somewhere in there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the latest 10. In 2010, for sure, I was showing at Cannibal right. Flower by then. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, all right. So you were um, <clears throat> showing there, showing at the high. You got a show at the hive. Uh, uh, think space, or did you ever get into think space, or never did think space and uh, Copro? I mean, you show at Copro now, but I mean, I do, but I didn't start showing at Copro until about three years ago. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. Uh, but totally stoked to be doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Um, Definitely. So let's, I'm trying to think. Oh, I, I, okay. So here's an important little moment in that world. Yes. Uh, you remember Forgotten Saints. Yes. So maybe four, 2013, 2014, I got introduced to those cats and was brought in as curator, co-curator. Right. That's for right. Forgotten Saints. And that kind of created a boom for me as far as like who I knew and who uh, I was able to associate and make friends with. Uh. In the art world. Um, that's the one good thing that place was good for. Uh. Uh. <laughs> it, did, it didn't end well, I take it. No, it got really weird. You know, I was I was really green. I didn't know how to do what I was doing. Um, I certainly didn't know how to curate. And the owners, <laughs> you know, they ran a clothing shop that were, they were letting a bunch of artists run rampant in. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so it was. It was. You know, it looked cool. We did cool shit there. Yeah. But the back end, the business side of it was not handled as well as it should have been. Is this the place that was on Melrose? Yeah, Melrose. Okay, yeah, I went there. I, I went there at least once to one of the shows, I remember. Yeah, I showed your work there. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> that must have been it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all a blur to me. I, I, I look... I, I've, been clean, two of them. I, I've been cleaning out my office, and I've got, like, all the cards, all the art show cards. I saved them from all the shows. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, I don't remember anything about being in this show. And my name's on there. It's like, so it's just all, you know, you know, it is just a big blur. I I completely understand. (laughs) It it goes by incredibly slowly and other, it's also so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Especially when you have a kid and then when you have a kid, it kicks into hyper speed. You know, and I, I have always heard that cliche. So true, man. Don't really believe it until you're in fast forward. Yep. And yeah, it's, it it makes perfect sense once it's, once you're swept up in it. For sure. Yeah. Well, you see like, you know, five years, how old's your son? He's getting ready to be seven next month. Okay. So, you know, you could, you can, you can say, um, you know, seven years of your life can go by and you don't feel that much different or five years, maybe you're yeah. like, you know, it didn't seem like it was that long of a time and you don't seem that much different. And then you see how much the kid has grown and you're like, oh shit, I'm going to die soon. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, then you start going, okay, when they're 30, I'm going to be, Dead. and it wasn't like, yeah, I was 30 not that long ago it seemed like so this is getting kind of weird but man yeah it really messes with your head it does but you know it's cool i mean it's great it's great i love i love kids so it's definitely awesome i i can't imagine i mean there's before he was born and then there's after he's born and it's two complete different worlds yeah yeah it's never never the same your life, life will never be the same and, and you, you won't have to die alone. That's the other I, good thing. I, Jesus. <laughs> Way to bring down the room, Chet. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's one that's a something, you know, having a family is like the older you get, the more you think about that stuff, you know? It's Cause, true. Cuz that would suck to just be like have no one, you know? That would be rough. <clears throat> and good news is a few minutes after that you won't know the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's a beautiful giant lighter you got there, buddy. Yeah, I never, I'll never lose it. Nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, back to you. 
you're you're uh, curating you had okay so my first my first foray into curating um so that that dries up um actually i exit before it completely dries up just because i realized kind of i don't oh. want to be a part of it anymore that's good um and then uh i get i become friends with robert and tamra who own night gallery in oh Santa yeah Santa. that's right i forgot about that night gallery and they were after I think they'd been open for nine years. They were thinking about closing. I'd shown with them a few times before that. And uh, they asked me, like, do you want to help us keep it open? Because we don't really have the time to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I moved in and started running that for the next four years, which is oh. much experience. It was nothing but awesome. Yeah, I know. That's what it's like. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I only heard good things about them and they had the coolest gallery name. And, uh, I wanted to do a solo show. I think they wanted to get me in a solo show there. Oh and, yeah. And I, it's like, you know, and I kept hearing good things about them and then it's just, you know, by the time I, I don't know, all of a sudden I turned around and they were gone. It's, yeah. They know. ended up uh, pulling up stakes and moving up to Seattle. They're doing great up there. Oh, they, uh, they have a gallery up there still or. No, they, 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 they kind of just doing other stuff, but uh, oh, okay. it was always, sort of a, just a little side hustle for them. They always had made, he was a teacher and uh, she was in fashion design. Oh, okay. So it was, uh, they, you know, they, their focus was mostly elsewhere, but that was, that was a passion project for them. And right. you know, it's really, really awesome that I got to, you know, hold the reins for a little while on yeah, it. Yeah. That's cool. You kept it, kept it going. And that's, that's interesting too. You're one of the few artists who has an inside view of how a gallery works. So I imagine you're more um, <clears throat> sympathetic to galleries than a lot of artists are because I, I, I know I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm pretty sympathetic to galleries uh, more than most artists are, I think, because I've curated enough shows and I see how it works behind the scenes and how hard it is to make money. So I'm kind of like, you know, artists don't realize that galleries, most galleries are pretty much in the same position as them. You know, yeah. like month yeah. to month, paycheck to paycheck, and nobody's getting rich. So um, you do it for the love of the game. And, and most of the people doing it are like, you know, I know that's why uh, Gary and Erica are doing it at Copro. It's like they love art. That's the, yep. you know, it's there's way better ways to make money than to ha be an artist or have an art gallery, you know. So um, <clears throat> that's, you know, I, and so anyway, I'm a little more sympathetic to to the the, uh, the gallery system, at least at our level that we show. Up, you know, there's, there's so many great things about a good gallery. Right. Having that relationship with it. You know, we won't talk about galleries that aren't great. Right. Because <laughs> there's you know, those two. But there's those two. But knowing that being able to find out the difference and uh, and working with a gallery that really believes in your work and 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 believes in. In, in your career mm -hmm. um, it can make all the difference in the world it's a, you know instagram you only get you so far yeah but uh, you know having that kind of muscle behind your exposure behind your work you know it, it makes a big difference but yeah. you know you got to be willing to help them keep their doors open in the process yeah 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 it's yeah. It's, it's it's worth the trade-off because every, you know people complain about the 50 percent um, they have to give up and you, you know, you kind of, when you work at the gallery, as opposed to selling yourself, you take a 50% hit, but I think it's worth it. <clears throat> if it's a, if it's a good gallery, if it's a decent gallery that believes in you and isn't lying to you and isn't trying to rip you off or withhold payments or anything, any of that stuff. 
Um, just the prestige of being in a gallery is, is a good thing, you know, and, and the opportunity for people to see it in person. That's really important. Nothing compares to a well-executed show. Right. Like walking into a room that's been curated beautifully and hung correctly. Yeah. And, you know, the pieces have been selected to, to work together. And, right. And, like that experience is like, I, I pray that it never goes away. Because mm-hmm. like, it's, it's like walking into church. Totally, man. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's hard to see it that way all the time when you're in the business of it. But uh, every once in a while you'll, you'll put on or curate an amazing show and you'll walk in and you're like, wow, okay, this is why I'm doing it. This is amazing. This is like sublime, you know? It's it's a life changing kind of stuff. A good show. And it all comes together. The yeah. artist gallery and, and the vision is connected. And, yeah. You know, there's a certain amount of magic that happens there that you just you can't get any other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the the live band versus the CD thing. For I always sure. say, you know, it really is like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I mean. Yeah, I, I never. That's that's so interesting to know that you had all this <clears throat> managerial experience, and now you're, uh, you know, you've worked with a lot of galleries, and you're are you working with um, Dark Art Emporium, kind of? Yeah, I'm the partner over there. Oh, you are really? Yeah. Oh wow! So that it's, just it's, it's the two Jeremys. <laughs> okay, excellent. Yeah, okay, that's that's cool. I didn't know you were like a partner there. I, I thought for a while it seemed like you were just kind of helping out, or you were just curating or something, but. It's grown. Um, you know, we're we just hit three years uh, last year. Wow! And uh, for the first year, I was just kind of helping because you right. know, shot the other Jeremy. Jeremy shot. You know, um, he Another jumped into cool it not knowing really anything about the world mm-hmm. at all. Well, you know, he he was friends with Bill Schaefer as well <laughs> through Hyena, and but you know, he comes from a uh, a videographer and. Right. Uh, background and but he's got good taste though he's got good taste in art you know that's the thing that's kind of what what, the main thing you need and so a few months after he opened i hit him up and i said hey you're in long beach i'm in long beach i've got this history you know if there's anything i can do to help let me know and he was eager to get me in there and we i started curating shows just a couple times uh you know for the first year and then by the end of the second year you know, we were partnered up on the on the project, and now we're joined at the hip. Oh, that's excellent. That's great. Great. It's been a really cool relationship to to have grow, and he's he's an amazing dude. Like, oh I'm yeah, love with that dude. Yeah, he's super super great guy. Another great guy. Yeah, B- Bill and uh, 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 Jeremy are they're similar in that way, where they're like, you know, they like pretty fucked up stuff. So, yep. you, you know, but they're like the like big sweethearts, you know what I mean? <laughs> Super nice people. They're kind of classic dark art people in that way, I guess, you know? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They, 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 for some reason, they kind of maybe, I don't know. They, they remind me of each other a little bit, but um, in that way. When uh, they're together, you definitely, like, we were all together Saturday uh, for an <laughs> opening at, at, at Dark Art Emporium, and uh, it, it's always great to hang out with both Bill and Jeremy because it's like two halves of the same person. Yeah, they seem like brothers or something, right? Yeah, like yeah. It's, like Jeremy it's, seems like the younger brother of Bill or something. Yeah, he's not as bitter yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, um, 
Wow. I didn't realize it. That's cool. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, Dark Art Emporium is an amazing gallery. It's so nice in there. The first time I went in there, I was like, holy shit, this is like a funeral, uh, like a cool funeral parlor feeling in there. You know, the decorate, the way it's decorated is like, you know, if I had a gallery, it would look like Dark Art Emporium. Totally. It's like got that same Haunted Mansion y vibe, but, re- you know, really nice. Uh, so, yeah, it's. it's it's pretty incredible what you guys have done. I have a there. lot of fun uh, making that place look the way that I would want any gallery I walked into. To look. Oh, that's cool. So, so you have a big say in that? In the uh... oh, we collaborate on everything. Like, okay, and that's what makes our relationship so so solid is that we have a great give and take, and you know we we fix each other's problems and mm-hmm. cancel each other out at the right times and yeah. each other in the other moments that need to be supportive and and it's 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 100 percent collaborative yeah those those kind of relationships are the best it's it's really it makes it fun to not be alone all the time you know when you have someone you can work with well for sure for sure yeah uh so that's been the last three years of my life that was it's been honestly it's been the best time that I've had as an artist, it's, it's, it's been super inspiring to, to work there and work with, uh, with all the artists that we're bringing in. And it's, and again, this is something that like, I can't say enough about just a gallery, not even just my involvement there, but a gallery in general, like the relationships that you are able to foster through a community place like that. Right. Like it's, it's done wonders not just for the gallery and the artists that we're showing, but also personally for like my career and, and networking and connections. And blah, oh blah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, that has a lot to do with why I do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a, a sense of community down there. I just, I feel like I'm not in it really because I never got, I don't it's come down enough to it, but every time I go there, it seems like, I don't know, everyone kind of knows each other and, uh, it's it's such a trip being in Long Beach. It's like who would have thought a dark art gallery in Long Beach? But it's kind of perfect in a weird way. It's there's something very Southern California about a dark art gallery, in, in my opinion. Especially Long Beach, because Long Beach is like you know there's nice parts of it, and then there's some really scary parts of it. You sure. know, um, it, it, Long Beach is a weird city. Like, yeah. I have- Say like the people, you know, talk about Portland and keeping it weird, but like, come to Long Beach. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fucking weird, man. It's not. Yeah, it's not an act out here. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like you don't need to keep it weird. You have to stop it from getting too weird. For sure. Because <laughs> I know it's like you know, Pedro's kind of like that in a way. You know, because I grew up in San Pedro, and it's like there is a weird, definitely a weird element in San Pedro uh, of like. Just I just remember there's just like there's like haunted houses and there's crazy people walking around. I mean, my mom had stories of, you know, these this insane woman they called the rabbit lady who used to like terrorize kids at Halloween and, and put on. Glo- oh, she was that real. Yeah. She used to put on rubber gloves with grapes in the gloves and she would make the kids shake her hand but she was like crazy she wasn't doing it for fun (laughs) and she yeah she she had all these rabbits and she had it was lived in this creepy old house and there's just always been this weird um i don't know like you're a rabbit witch (laughs) there's definitely that weird i don't know what it was i remember it's there's a vibe there there's definitely a vibe there and it's and it's like that kind of in long beach too 
and I don't know what it is, but it's it's definitely there, you know. I mean, Long so, Beach used to have the Pike. Do you, right. You know, I don't know if you when you moved here, but the, we used to go to the Pike, and that was like, you know, they had like a real tattoo shop for, you know, back in the '60s and '70s, I guess maybe. You know, it was like super. Yeah, I, I moved to Long Beach about ten years ago. I was long gone by then, sadly. Yeah, but it was like a real creepy old carnival with old school tattoo place and. You know, like total, like a, a counterculture, like really underground, like real. That had to be outer limits, right? I don't even remember. I just remember walking by it and there being like sailors and stuff, and <laughs> just kind of classic, but really seedy. That's what was think, cool about it. They're, they're still around, and I think they they tout that they're the the longest running tattoo parlor in America. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. So cool. So when did when did you move? How did you get wind up in Long Beach anyway? Uh, I was living in Hollywood for a bunch oh, of years. Where in Hollywood? Like East Hollywood area. Like, so near, like near La Luz. Oh okay. Is it by the? Was that kind of by the Anti Club? Did you ever? You remember? Or was that? No, I've heard of the Anti Club. I think that was, was before. Like the, I was there. Okay, yeah, that was on the east. Side. That was late. 80s, I guess. East side of Melrose, anti club. We used to play it all the time. Yeah, this. So yeah, like like near near La Luz, like Virgil and okay area, mm-hmm. like uh, right before Silver Lake. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know where that is. I used to live Franklin and Vista Del Mar. You know where the freeway, Franklin and the freeway over. Uh, what's that Main Street? Uh. Never mind. It doesn't matter. But I, I had the I had the Hollywood experience for a few years. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I lived behind Jumbo's clown room for a bunch of years. Oh, really? <laughs> and it was, I, I was a, a very frequent regular there. So <laughs> Jumbo's clown amazing. room. <laughs> Who doesn't want to listen to really cool music, watch people get naked, and you're surrounded by clowns? Like it just <laughs> it's much better than that. Yeah, that was that was a crazy place. I think we went there one time. At a lunch when I was working on the blob in 86 or something, 87. Yeah, terrible place to go to lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I was like a little kid. I'm like, what is this place? <laughs> like, oh, shit, we're in a strip club. Oh, my God. But we we, um, we got to the point where we wanted to buy a house, and we just could not afford to buy one anywhere near Hollywood. We tried. Mm-hmm. And my wife had actually gone to college in Long Beach and really liked it. And she said, well, what about that? And I was like, fuck Long Beach. I don't want to fucking move to Long Beach. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like the other side of the planet. Right. And, uh, and then I we ended up finding a great place here and bought it for nothing at the bottom of the market. And, wow, cool. Um, and I fell in love really quickly. Like it, it, it got inside me super fast. Wow. Like I, like I told you, I was I was in the I was in the coast for a long time, and then in Hollywood, and when I really got settled in Long Beach, it kind of felt like the perfect mixture of both of those worlds. Mm, yeah, like there's this chill, like non-fronting atmosphere of the coastal beachside city, and then you still have you know the urban dangers of uh, you know Hollywood kind of mixed right. in. It's you know it's, yeah, it's it, true. It was a perfect place for me to end up, and I didn't even know that I was doing that. <laughs> yeah, what are the chances that a, you know a super cool dark art gallery is going to open 
you know, it's pretty close to you, I imagine, right? Oh, yeah. It's like five minutes away. Yeah, that's crazy. What are the chances? It just kind of goes to show you that you were meant to be there, I guess. Oh, perfectly true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jer- once, once, once that happened, it was it was like, yep, this was exactly where I was supposed right, to be. Right, right. <clears throat> does Jeremy live out there also? He does. He lives a block away from the gallery. Wow. Um, but he's lived here about 15 years. So he, he was here a little before me. Um, but okay. I think it was the same thing. He was just like, you know, it seems like a cool place to end up. Why not? Right. Yeah, it's amazing. The idea of being able to buy a house anywhere in California now is is in crazy. Yeah, if we hadn't done it when we did it, we wouldn't have done it. So, yeah, there's no way I could not afford the house we're in at this point for what they're saying it's worth. No way, no, <clears throat> no way. Um, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. But so, <clears throat> are you showing? So how do you how do you do that? It's, this is an interesting question. You, you're running a gallery and and co-curating this gallery and you're also an artist so are you like free to show wherever you want it seems like you're kind of free to show at any gallery oh absolutely yeah yeah i mean we we, and you know we're not really weird about that in general with anybody yeah Uh, that's that's what's so great about copro and why i stuck with them for so long or one of the reasons Right. Is it's ne- it was never like an issue. Like some galleries are really overprotective and and tell you know, make you sign a contract that says you can't show anywhere for like two years or something. It's like copper yeah, has that's never insane. been like that. It doesn't make sense anymore. No, there's no way that they're going to make you enough money to make that worth it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's you know? my whole thing with that. You know this. No, maybe we prefer you not to have another feature or a solo, maybe within six months of right. your that's, solo there. But that's reasonable. Like, you know, like, that's reasonable, like, though. Do group shows. Do whatever you got to do to pay your bills. You know, right. you know, more exposure elsewhere helps your exposure here. So that's it's all exactly. ships rising with the tide. Yeah, it's part. It's kind of part of the new, the new art world. I think. You know, that's it's things are different now because of the internet and everything. And, uh, yeah, the, the days of a gallery being able to pay you enough money to live on for two years while you paint for a show are like, you know, over <laughs> unless you're maybe in a blue chip world or something. Yeah. You I know? don't, I don't know what that world looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard about it. I don't know what it looks like either, but I've heard about We're it before. Stories. Um, <laughs> So, um, okay. So we're, but back, okay. So backtrack to corporate day job and you wanted to know how I got out of that. And then yeah. To, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I had a kid. Oh, that seems so, like the opposite thing you would do. Uh, well, it's weird. <laughs> um, so my wife, uh, she was in charge of fashion design group. She was, um, and she was really doing great in her career. Hmm. And for the first time since we, she was making more money than me and it was good. And she had a, a good career path ahead of her. Whereas I was kind of stuck where I was at. Like I couldn't really go up anymore mm. from where I was happily anyway. Yeah. And like I said, I hated it. So we came to the decision of, well, like we got a kid Come on, What do you want to do? I was like, well, I could spend half or more on my paycheck paying somebody else to raise my child or I can quit the job that I don't like, let you continue to ascend with yours, and I can take this art shit seriously for the first oh. time. That's cool. That's and like a win-win for everyone, right? 
I'm really lucky that I have uh, such an amazing partner who believes in what I do because it was basically her idea. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's really cool. She's cool. So I always get a good vibe from her when I see her. And uh, so that's, 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 like I said, that was about seven years ago. So that's when I really started trying to take it seriously. I'm working, you know, getting into the studio daily instead of just when I can you know, trying to create a regiment for myself to force myself to work even when I don't want to. And, mm. you know, I'm not turning it into something I don't love because I still absolutely love every minute of it. But, you know, just really pushing yourself to to make more. And yeah. Better. Yeah. Well, do you ever see uh, that that movie? Beauty is embarrassing. Have you ever seen that documentary? About I'm what? Not sure they... Wayne White. <laughs> excuse me i'm not sure that i have oh it's so good well wayne white the guy that the guy that got he got kind of got big doing those uh thrift store paintings and putting painting in letters oh that look three-dimensional yes wayne white i did see that yeah we were just talking about that i mean i think it was on a a recent podcast how there's this one great scene in it where he's painting uh just you know tediously painting these letters in and he's like this is the ditch digging part of painting. Most of painting right. is ditch digging. <laughs> you know, it's like right. yeah. the inspiration and starting it, everything's all fun. And then there's the slog through the middle, even though it's fun. It's great. I'm not going to complain about any aspect of painting, but there is the slog in the middle where you just got to put the work in, you know, and then you it's get true. to the end and then you get that little, Oh, putting the finishing touches on it. It feels all like, Oh, that was easy. <laughs> yeah, my my least favorite is is you know cutting because I, I work on on uh, wood or MDF panels, and I, I basically spend like a couple days a month just cutting panels, sanding mm. them, gessoing them. Right. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I first did that, I was like, oh, this is fun. You're like part of the art from the very beginning. You're putting even your canvas, your thing, you're gessoing it. You're getting the surface just right. Yeah. And then, and then you do it once, and you're like, "Fuck that! I don't want to do yeah. that again." <laughs> it's a giant pain in the ass. It is a giant pain in the ass. It's the kind of thing you hire some someone to do for you, you know, if you can. Yeah, I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you? Uh, how, how are you? Um, you know, why? You know, I'm lazy, so I tend to paint in pre, kind of standard sized boards and stuff. I mean, what's your approach to that? Why are you doing so much cutting? Are you well, doing weird sizes and weird frames or what? Weird sizes and weird frames is exactly it. So, um, I collect frames. Okay. I have a little storage building out behind my house, and it's it's a frame room. There are hundreds and hundreds of frames because I do a bunch of estate sale hunting. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, a lot of them are old, and old frames are weird fucking sizes. Yeah. You know? eighth inches and 16th inches. And, um, so I just started buying giant MDF panels and, uh, cutting them to size for the frames instead of trying to do it the other way around. That's smart. That's and how then, Chris Mars does it. I think that makes sense. Cause he does cool old frames. Yeah. Too. He finds these yeah. funky ass frames and then he, and then he, uh, paints the painting to the frame, which is pretty <clears throat> smart. And then lately I've been doing, um, cigar boxes, Oh, cool. That's a good idea. So my local smoke shop sells me old wooden cigar boxes for like two bucks a piece. And so I'm retroing fitting those and putting panels in those. Oh, that's great. That's such a good idea. Yeah, you've got you you're a very creative guy. Like you're always coming up with weird cool little 
things that I think, oh man, I wish I would have thought of that. That's a cool yeah. idea. <laughs> That's a great compliment. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I like the way you think about things. Um, I just don't, I, I, can't, I can't do the same thing for too long. And I, I honestly, it's, you know, it's probably more of a hindrance to a longer, better right. career, anything, but I have to keep myself interested and, you know, so I'll sidetrack and burn wood for six months. Yeah. So. Right. You, you did that. You, didn't you sculpt a head out of wood at one point? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is he doing? That's like completely out in left field. But it was like, man, I always wanted to sculpt a piece of wood. And it's you just know? like it hits me and I just I sideline everything else and I just I, I play with that until I get that out of my system and then you know it, it always comes back to oil painting. But, right, right. Uh, or finding a way to combine the oil paintings into assemblage or sculptural or mm-hmm. with burning in with it, you know. Um yeah, it's I don't know. It, 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 but because of that, I often don't feel like I have a very definitive style that I, you know, I've been told otherwise a lot, but I don't, I just, cause I, I do a lot of random shit to keep myself entertained. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I think it all, I, I, when I see your stuff, I know it's yours. So that to me, that says you have your own style, you know? So, uh, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I think it's, it seems like within different mediums though, you still kind of have, the same feel as your paintings from what i've seen i like to try to keep some kind of through line yeah um but sometimes i feel like it's only obvious to me but uh. yeah <laughs> uh but I, I hear what you're saying what other uh, weird things have you done like that oh, i know you, you were doing like built you built this amazing table i wanted it what was, was it the coffin table yeah or was it, it was a coffin table coffin table i wanted that so bad so I got that casket because I was doing the the installation at uh, Dark Art Emporium for a show called um, No, it wasn't Remains. It was uh, fuck. Anyway, it was about death. Mm-hmm. So we turned the place into a literal funeral parlor. Nice. And I put, so I scored this casket online and I refinished it and fixed it up. And when I was done with it, I was like, "What the fuck am I going to do with this giant casket?" <laughs> and I had some cool like claw and ball table legs. And I was like, I bet I could turn this into a dope table. So I did. Wow. So you're you. This is part of your. Um, oh, this dog. Sorry. That's all right. This is part of part of your uh, estate sale thing. You pick up things like table legs and you know all kinds of yep. weird things that can be made into art. I imagine. Basically, when I go to an estate sale, I ignore the house. I go to the garage and I buy all the shit that nobody else wants. Ah. That's it. <laughs> all, the old frames, all the random pieces of wood, all the old tools that anybody in the right mind has no interest in. Um, yeah. And I find interesting things to do with them. Or I try to. Do you have like a workshop or, or something that you keep all that? I, well, or sort a shed of. or I mean, something? I've got um, a, my studio is in a, is a converted garage. Okay. And then I have a long driveway and then I've got a. Uh, um, a cover over that, uh-huh. uh, like an aluminum cover over that. And then I have a workspace built underneath the cover. Oh, that's cool. With workbenches and things like that and woodworking tables and, and things. You know, it's one of the nice things about living in Southern California is I can basically have an outdoor workspace that as long as I cover it when it rains, we're good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have that. That's what I have. I've got, I mean, at this point, my garage is, it's like a single car garage and it's full of books and stuff now. But um, uh, 
my black magic books and molds and stuff like that and convention stuff. But um, right next to it, I've got this kind of the same thing. It's like a little outdoor. It's where the people who lived before us used to put their trash cans. It's like this little separate, like a gate with a, you know, like a, I don't know, like a miniature carport, just a tiny little right. thing. And it's like, that's where I do all my grinding and air hose and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, hardly rains here. So it's it's not... It's not really an issue of leaving stuff that outside. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, it's basically the same situation. And then, like I said, I have like a couple of attached outbuildings, and that's where I store all the crap that uh, that I build, you know, off of. And yeah, and I, you know, every once in a while I get a wild hair on my ass. I have a bunch of barrels, uh, like whiskey barrels, and I turn those into tables. Oh, and, cool! Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, <laughs> I did a, a giant piano sculpture last year uh-huh what was that uh, we did a tom waits loosely themed show around tom waits songs uh-huh uh, and i was like well we can't have a tom waits show without a fucking piano right That's so i true. found a piano that was in the yard of some frat boys in whittier <laughs> and they were like just come get it and so uh, i got a free piano and then i did a bunch of crazy assemblage stuff with it and turned it into this nightmare monster of a piano uh, to install into the gallery for the show. Oh, that's so cool. And you could still play it. I made sure it was still playable. Wow. And I have local musicians uh, to come and play songs on it during the reception. That is so cool. It was so, a fun event. So what, uh, how do you know how to do all that stuff? Furniture building. And I mean, where do you get that from? Do you oh, just figure it out. You just do it. You just kind of figure <laughs> I, it out or what? I, I, have, I have no idea. Um, it just kind of makes sense to me. Woodworking teach me any of it. Woodworking is like its own different kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, a lot of it. You know, like we bought this house. It's an old 1920s uh, mm-hmm. house. We had to do a lot of work on it, and I spent a lot of time um, digging people's brains out and, and looking at YouTube videos and learning how to do different things. And I think that kind of helped me. Like get realized I could do some of that stuff. Yeah, you know, the first time I refinished a living room and rebuilt a, you know, a cabinet, and I was like, oh, I'm shit. I'm better at this than I thought I would be. Wow. And so it gave me that that incentive to try different things and incorporate that into art, and uh, just you know, open up another world of another play uh, toolbox for me to play in. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, you know, uh, what's his name? He was just on the podcast, uh, last show of the year. Is that Jason? Yeah, Jason uh, Limon. Yeah. Yeah, he was talking about how he built his whole, he built a whole studio all himself. Yeah. It was like, you know, I've got an old house too, but I don't know how to fix anything. I'm kind of afraid to try anything because I don't want to mess it up worse than it is, but... Um, I don't yeah, know. I'm really jealous of his uh, of his his ability to to have the space and the ability to do that. That's awesome. I know, I know. I just, but I mean, he like put the walls up and everything, <laughs> built it from the ground up. It's crazy. That would be so so much fun to do. I, I, we we bullshit around about you know when we get another house with an actual big yard. That's the plan. Right. Like, I would build my own studio. Yeah, yeah. That's what I keep yeah. saying. We're gonna do too, but. Someday, right? Yeah, someday, someday. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you 
are you at like is the gallery taking up all your time or are you splitting it between your your work and how does that work the gallery yeah. takes up a good portion of it um you know I, i'm i'm uh, i'm lucky i don't actually have to be there uh most of the time on the day-to-day oh, okay uh, so you know 90 percent of curating is done from a computer and a phone right uh, so I spent a lot of time doing that from home. Uh, and then Jeremy actually runs the gallery in person on the four days a week that we're open. Right. Um, so, you know, I have to be there to hang shows and to, for opening receptions and things like that. Oh, but, but you're not there every day. Not, I'm not there every day. Um, so you so kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of nice. I, yeah. I do the I do the other stuff that he doesn't want to do, and uh, I mean he gets to do the stuff that I don't want to do. Well, he probably doesn't want to do it either. But <laughs> <laughs> so you're just you kind of make your own schedule and and fit in art making within yeah. that somehow. Yeah, I mean you know kids in school now, so um, I, I get quite a bit of studio time in during the week. You know Monday through Friday, I'm probably getting six to eight hours a day in the studio. Oh, nice. That's great. Uh, you know, on a, on a good week, that's that's true. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And it gets it just gets easier the older the kid gets, you know, the the, you know, once the, there's a point and they start doing runs for you, you know, Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Send them off. That's a, like my kid. He, he helps me out all the time. All these like runs out to Van Nuys and stuff. I haven't gone out to Van Nuys in forever. He's like dropping yeah, stuff off and 10 years, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 10, you know, as we were talking about 10 years comes faster than you, than you yeah. think. Terrifying. Quit it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like the, the, the neighborhood, there's this kid that lives two, two houses down from us. They, we moved in like around the same time they did in the neighborhood. And we saw her come home from the hospital as a baby you know, be a little kid, grow up. She's going to turn 18. She's going to turn so, 18 like next week or something. And it's like, how did that happen? It's, oh my God. Yeah, you, nothing like somebody growing up to make you feel old. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a trip, man. It's a trip. Sure. So are you, I mean, do you have shows lined up or how do you approach your art making these days? Are you kind of like doing whatever is inspiring to you or do you have a, a show to work towards or any group shows you're coming up or anything like that? Um, I always have a show that I always have a, a series in my head that I'm working on. Okay. Uh, sometimes that changes halfway through or whatever, but um, like right now I'm uh, I'm working on, my feature, it's going to be like a small solo, um, in October at dark art emporium. Um, and, uh, you know, I I just agreed on it like three or four months ago. And at the time I had a full concept of what I wanted to do with it. And I think it's changing completely, but, um, so I might have a lot of work that doesn't fit with it anymore. We'll see. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, it it happens. It's fine. It'll find homes eventually. Yeah. You know, um, I just finished up uh, my piece for Conjoined. Excellent. Thank which you. is another weird piece that uh, doesn't look like anything else I've ever done before. Because <laughs> we'll you made that. the mistake of telling me to go big. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> go big or go home. So it's a, it's a four, like a little over four foot marionette. 
Oh, that sounds amazing. Like a 2D marionette? I don't know. Like 2.5D? Like cut out of wood or something? Yeah, yeah. So oh, like that sounds cool. Out of wood, but then it's it's all posable and it has accessories. And Oh, that's amazing. That sounds really cool. It was, you know, I, I actually started two different projects for Conjoined um, that I ended up scrapping before I decided I'm doing this one. Wow. So <laughs> it's too much fun not to do. Yeah, know, that's a great it's idea. It's a weird departure, but I was like, oh, I, I totally want to do this. That's, you know, that's how you find... That's how you find great things as you experiment all the time, you know? Yep. That's the, that's the key to it. Um, wow. That sounds really cool. Well, are you going to use the other concepts for something else or are they, or, or did you just abandon them? I ended up cutting them up. Um, like one of them was a big, uh, like three and a half foot by three and a half foot shadow box. Mm-hmm. And I was going to do a, a bunch of different styles of work in you know little vignettes inside of it painted so like, or or yeah. painted sculptural okay um frames photographs that i'd altered oh wow uh it was it was it was all over the place it, was, it ended up being just two all over the place right like there was no through line there was no it, it, it felt disjointed mm. at, at best and it didn't work right um but pieces of it worked and so i cut those out of it and uh, I'm turning those into other things now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I, I love, that's what I love about, one of the things I love about the creative process is, is that, you know, anything can change at any moment and, and you can, you know, you think you have the, the coolest idea and then you have a better idea and just the idea of chopping it up and using it in a different way is, I don't know. It's like invigorating or exciting, you know, to take something that was like, ah, oh, this isn't quite working and then be able to turn into something amazing on its own, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up being way more excited about some of the pieces and what I did with them right. later on. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's just interesting that the, I don't know, the creative mind works that way. It's like, you have to go through these stages to get to this thing. And, and it's like, you know, if it's not there, so you don't, you know, you scrap it because you know, it's, you don't have the feeling. It's not all there, you know, it's not right. And then you end up doing something totally different and it's like, ah, that's it. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but see, I assume that with you, you have a very clear-ish, at least, vision before you even jump in. And, yeah. And it doesn't change that much from when you start to when it finishes, right? At this, you, yeah, at this yeah. point, at this point, yeah. Um, but, you know, this that's because i've been i don't know i've i i um am less about being it's it's more like a phase i'm going through i feel like it's a phase in my career to where i'm you know i first started out like probably everybody else who's just an intuitive painter i would just start painting and not really know what i was doing or not even have much of an idea and just start kind of painting on there and then just Cause that's like a fun game to do too. You know, like you just kind of sure. figure out how it goes as you're doing it and you can just get some amazing things that way too, that you would have never thought of. But at this point I, you know, did that for a long time and then I just kind of kept learning technical painting better and better and more efficiently. So at this point in my life, it's sort of like about making the best painting I can and 
that to me at this stage in the game for me as a painter, the best I can do is like to plan it out ahead of time, you know? So I'm taking that as far as I can. And then I imagine I'll probably get to a point where I go back to, you know, I miss just completely being super creative and, and, uh, uh, um, experimental again, you know. So the, the chaos, yeah, yeah, the chaos of it. Because I kind of I miss it, but it's like at the same time I really get a, a a real joy, like a really good feeling when I make just a really slick, super great painting that's painted really well. I mean, there's like a you know it's really satisfying to me. So once that gets maybe boring, I'll. I'll switch it up and try something else but i'm still kind of i feel like i'm still kind of in that phase where i'm a little more planned out <clears throat> you just say when perfection gets boring well you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> no when i when i hit that you 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 strive to hit a certain level i know and then you do it a few times and it's like oh you want to go to the next level or a different level altogether just because it's you know something different you know right. you, you, just That's so you don't get bored <laughs> that's all i'm saying one of the things that I've and we've talked about this before, um, and it's something I've always really, really been uh, in admiration of you about is not just I'm in admiration of all your shit and all your work, but in your Thanks. whole career. But thank you. In particular, something that we've talked about is is your commitment to studies. Yeah. And you really encouraged me. Um, this was a little while back, but you really encouraged me to like do studies, man. You you should get in there and do studies. And I think it was because I'd fucked up a piece. And we were talking about it. Like I hated the background and right. face, and you're like, you should have done a study. Like, you're fucking right, I should have done a study. I know, I'm always and, saying that. Uh, <laughs> and within the last year, I've done more than I've ever done before, which isn't that many, right? Um, but I'm I'm trying to work that muscle out now and having it, and it's patience. Yeah, exactly. That's that. It for me, it was like I I I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do studies. I knew I should for a long time. And it's like, I don't want to. I just want to paint the painting. That's the fun part. I don't want to do any preparatory stuff. And then I kept getting in that. I kept fucking paintings up because I didn't have it planned out. And eventually it was like, okay, the pain of messing these paintings up is greater than the pain of doing the studies. You know, so it's like, okay, this is going to be less painful. So I'm going to go to the studies. And then surprisingly... Once I started doing the studies, I sort of became dependent on them or uh, uh, I felt like I, I, now if I don't do a study, it feels weird to me. Like it's so part of the whole process of creating a work that it feels like I'm not painting an underpainting or something. You know, it's, right. so it's like it just became part of the habit. And so now I, you know, I don't even think twice about it. I just automatically do it, which is good because I didn't like doing them before. You know, so, um, so now it's just become part of the process and like, you know, and the thing probably I told you is too, you could sell the studies too, and they're easier to yeah. sell than the paintings. So it's a good way. Yeah. It's kind <laughs> of like, <laughs> it's like, a, I'm a broken record. I'm always saying the same shit, but it's like, you know, you, 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 it's makes your painting better. It makes you feel more comfortable and relaxed and you can sell them and make extra money. So it's kind of like, why not do it? The only reason not to do it is just because you're being lazy and you don't want to do it. That's how it was for me anyway. It's it's great advice. Be repetitive. There's probably more people that need to hear it because I I probably need to hear it again. (laughs) 
Yeah, I really, I mean, yeah, and and then and then all the extra painting time you're getting in is great. Plus, you don't care as much about the study, so right. you loosen up. And then sometimes you'll do stuff in a study that you 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 know would wouldn't have the nerve to do in a big painting, like like a loose stroke that looks great, you know. But you know, in a big painting, they're precious, and you have to like be you're more careful. At least I am. I'm more careful about getting crazy with it whereas a study you know it's frees you up so it's just got so many benefits to studies it's they're they're very beneficial and i think that it, it definitely once i started doing studies my paintings definitely got better for sure it was you know once i got into that habit to where i didn't have to think about them that's what I'm hoping. Uh, the series that I'm working on on now, it, it's it, it's stuff I've never really done before. Um, mm-hmm. Well, aspects of it are things I've never done before, and that's what brought that's what brought about that conversation and memory of, of you talking about studies. Like, you know what? I should do a shitload of studies to conceptualize this beforehand because I don't exactly know how to do what I'm about to do. Oh, okay. And, uh, and so, um, like. I'm adding all of these uh, urban landscape scenes uh, behind my paintings now, whereas before I never really did much. Yeah, those are great. I just saw the McDonald's one you did. (laughs) That that sketch is the one I've now done five cemetery studies. Yeah, that's such a great that 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 was one of the ideas that I saw. I was like, damn it. I wish I would have thought of that. That was another one of those. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna paint that Mick graveyard pretty big, and I was like, I gotta I gotta I gotta make sure I know how to paint a fucking graveyard before yeah. I get in. Tell me about it, man. That's what I I I had to do a a graveyard for the dystopia book, and it's like I've painted parts of graveyards, but I've never really done the epic graveyard I wanted to do. And man, I took a shitload of I went out to graveyards and took a bunch of photographs. Just that's to, what I did too. Yeah, yeah, just to kind of get an idea. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm sorry about that. That's all right. My wife's going to Trader Joe's. Um, <clears throat> well, and, and you know, not that I ever mind hanging out in a cemetery anyway. So yeah, exactly. Just... <laughs> I take the dog and the kid and, you know, tromp through the tombstones, take some photographs. You know, it's a good time. Yeah, it's great. I love, I love graveyards. Um, I really do. So yeah, I, I feel you there. It's like, you know, cause, cause when you get into that, I haven't done a lot of like perspective type things to where, you know, there's rows of things that are kind of similarly sized and they have to look right. Or, you know, it's like, it's a total different thing painting. It's kind of like architecture in a way, you know what I mean? Yeah. To do perspective and all that stuff. So photographs help. Yeah. I've been going around um, Long Beach and I photograph interesting buildings lately i've been doing a lot of bars like photographing bars and um and and you know using those in the backgrounds of the pieces because otherwise you know i've tried to free draw and free paint the urban landscape and yeah the perspective's just it's hard off enough that it looks dumb and you can't tell what it is (laughs) um so yeah it's but it's it's cool because i feel like i'm pushing myself in, in 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 new territory it's exciting and I'm really interested in it. So, you know, hopefully I'll stay really interested in it for a while. And it won't, you know, I won't get distracted by a giant piano. Right. <laughs> or a wood, <laughs> wood carving or something. Mar- right. Maybe marble. Maybe you'll be carving a huge slab of marble next. Yeah, you know anybody who's got one? 
I'm into it. I'm going to do you a favor and not tell you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, is that that uh, McGraveyard piece, is that for your show coming up or is that just uh... – for the show. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. So what's the, can you talk about what the theme is and stuff? Or? Yeah. Um, well, the original idea was, um, so, you know, my little armless sort of ghost shaped, dick shaped creatures that yeah. I paint. Mm-hmm. I, I, I call them the lurchins. Okay. <laughs> which is a playoff of, uh, like street urchin and lurking, and you know, right, because right. you know they inhabit this little weird urban world that I'm I'm painting. Um, so, Rise of the Lurchins. Oh, excellent! Was the it is the working title? That's cool. We'll see if that sticks with it. But um, I've gotten so into painting the buildings and stuff that it's it's taking over a little bit more hmm. than than the characters. That's cool. So I, 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 there's, you know, going to be plenty of lurchins in it, but I don't know. Uh, it, it, the focus is shifting a little bit. Like I said, I don't know. It, it started in one way and now it's kind of evolving into something else. And um, the fast food, like the Mick graveyard thing, I, I did a Taco Bell painting that I really liked. Um, <laughs> it's, I know that sounds really strange. Uh, but I, you know, this, this like skull headed creature with a punk rock t-shirt on and he's in front of a, a, a building. And I was like, Oh, it kind of looks like an old Taco Bell. So I looked at his little Taco Bells. <laughs> so I, I painted that as reference. That is hilarious. Uh, so now I kind of want to do a series of like weird punk rock creatures hanging out in front of fast food places. It's a great idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea, which completely happened, you know, by accident. I yeah. just painted the building, and I was like, "Oh, this kind of looks like a Taco Bell." That's a great. Um, <laughs> remember the old style Taco Bells? Yeah, actually, yeah. I remember those. Kind of looked like you know, looked Spanish or, or Mexican yep. in style instead of just a block. Yeah, there was. They had like a fire pit out in front of ours, and when I was in the seventies, when I was a little kid, there was a fire pit, and there was a little like sleeping guy in a sombrero <laughs> logo you know yeah totally yeah it's there, there's a lot of uh cool if you if you did that there's a lot of great old fast food places especially like southern california places like pup and taco was another weird uh i don't know if you're you're probably too young for that but that was a, another taco what's that i don't remember pup and taco yeah it was like uh, Taco Bell, but they had hot dogs too. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was like, uh, what's that? Pioneer Chicken. Did you ever hear of oh, that? Oh, totally. The last existing Pioneer Chicken was around the corner from my place in East Hollywood. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was another one that's like had that chef on a, like a covered wagon. There's totally. just, and, and the old, um, you know, the old Jack in the box with the, the clown head, you know, yep. we used to order, used to talk into the clown head, which is really weird. It was demented looking. And there's a lot of, yeah, not, not even to mention the, like the old school Hamburglar and, you know, and the, that's, that's what got me into the whole big gravy. <laughs> now I get to paint, you know, the Hamburglar as a, as a cemetery memorial statue. Yeah. <laughs> 
The so old the, hamburger was creepy as hell, man. They really kind of in the, I don't know if it was the nineties, they changed designs for the hamburger. I was researching all the old characters and the one I had completely forgotten about is they had a terrifying pirate. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> he went through a few different redesigns yep. um, over the years, but the first one, it looked like somebody made it in their garage and they'd never seen a puppet or a pirate before. <laughs> Um, and it, it was awful. It was so just like giant fur mustache and beady little eyes or one beady <laughs> little eye and an eye patch. Um, so it, it was, it, it's been a fun experiment, like going through and like, like, how can I, how can I incorporate that? And like, it's great iconography. Like, it, oh yeah. It's, it's immediately resonating. Totally man. With everybody. You know what I mean? And it's weird as fuck. So yeah. Like, and it's fucked up. It's like, it's it's twisted fast food yeah. is twisted in a way in, in a lot of different ways and you know it's perfect kind of perfect environment to to work within so that's that's going to definitely take up a good portion of of this show is and i'm going to run with that theme and, and exhaust <laughs> that and um uh, you know, then there's going to be you know, a bunch of you know old CD motels and dive bars yeah. and stuff incorporated too, and then just pepper in the, the the creatures here and there to keep it. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, it's great. Um, great ideas for backgrounds. You know, you've got a cool character, and it's like oh, I could just put like a sort of plain background, or I could have this amazing old cheesy, weird, fucked up fast food restaurant. Right, and. I think it adds a, a little bit of menace. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, in, in an interesting way. way. Yeah. In an interesting it's, way. That's not obvious. So it's like pop art and it's creepy and mm-hmm. it's menacing, but it's still bright and cheery looking at the same time. I don't know. It, it, it just, it, once, it, once I stumbled onto it, it made sense. Yeah. It's, it's kind of brilliant now that I'm thinking about it. It's like, wow, that's a really great, it's great conceptually. It's excellent. I love that. Thanks, man. Yeah, keep going with it. <clears throat> I'm. Uh, I, I want to see that show. When? When is that show? It's going to be October. Hmm. Okay. So we'll be. Uh, I'm actually splitting the gallery with, um, you know, Buddy Nestor. Oh yeah, yeah. Buddy's great. We invited him to uh, curate a group show. Um, oh, that's right. He asked me about that. I think. Yeah, you should do it. <laughs> yeah i just have to is it it's in october october yeah yeah that's the hard part october's my busy time of the year but um, i know i still haven't said no yet i'm still trying to figure things out so I, and did i hear you're not doing a show this year yeah i'm not doing not I, I gotta I, I gotta get another uh year off i think i'm i think i'm curating something this year instead again but um yeah, I, I have. I got two behind. I've got too many commissions. Ever, I mean, I've been. I've been saying I'm not going to do a solo show for like the last five years. Like every year, I've been saying, okay, I'm going to take it off so I can get caught up. <laughs> and here we are, four years later. The book's not done. The dystopia book's not done. And I've got just this backlog of commissions. And um, you know, I've got some financial opportunities that have come my way too that will allow me to get all this take some time and get this work done and not have to hustle so much so that's awesome yeah finally so it's like i, I don't want to i don't want to fuck that opportunity up you know because um 
even though I, I, I feel bad not doing a show for the gallery. Um, but I, I, I just, I have to do it. I have to do it or I'm going to, this is going to be the rest of my life. I'm just going to be behind the rest of my life. And I just don't want to live like that anymore. So one more year, I'm going to take a show. The, although I, I did. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Last year I was supposed to take a show off and I did one at uh Bain art gallery cause I owed them one. And, um, so that kind of took my solo show. That was my solo show of the year. I wasn't going to do a solo show. So, um, I can't do it this year. End of story. Uh, I can't wait until uh, you're able to be less vague about some of this awesome stuff, man. Yeah. Well, well, it's, you know, I got the, I don't know if you saw the tool posters. They looks great. Thank you. It's really good. Yeah. So, so that's like, you know, I'm going to release those and those are going to probably do all right. And so that's going to help me to get through the next few months and catch up on things. Cause you know how it is. It's like, I've been just running on this treadmill of, of I get started on finishing, I get started on commissions, I get started on the book and then I have to stop and I have to pay the bills every month, just every single month for four years. This is and beyond. But I mean, once the book came into play, it's like four years of just starting and having to stop starting and having to stop every month. It's just, it's a nightmare. So. Well, nice thing about posters, man. It's like, those things are like printing money. Yeah, they're it's amazing. Like totally so unex- fast. Yeah, it was very unexpected. I'm really appreciated appreciative that I was able to do those because yeah, totally unexpected. It was just a cool thing to do at the time, and now it's like, oh, these are selling for a lot on the secondary I don't market. Know who did the animation on the post that I saw that where the, the the character was animated and coming out and like that it, it looked so rad. Yeah, Misha Misha George, I believe his name is. Yeah. He anim he's been animating all the tool posters. They're so cool looking. It's great. I've been wanting to for since we did the documentary that I like to paint monsters, I've been wanting to animate my paintings in that way. And it's like, I just never had the time to do it. I wanted to have those be kind of like transition uh, or pictures of animated instead of just showing the painting, having it animated. I thought that would be kind of cool, but I just wasn't able to get it together. So it's one of those things. It's a good idea. Someone's eventually going to do it, you know, and it's like he did it. (laughs) People, a lot of people are doing it now. It's really, it's pretty cool though. And the technology is there. Yeah. To easily do it on your phone now, like maps over your face and it's crazy. Yeah, and your and your pieces, of course, lend themselves perfectly to that. So, oh, that thanks. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty pretty um, honored to have him do that. So let's. Uh, I got. I'm gonna have to wrap things up because I got this uh, online thing I got to do in a few minutes. But um, yeah. what? How? How are you doing? How are you liking Patreon? Because I I I keep up with your work on Patreon because I um, subscribe to to your Patreon and. Uh, it's cool to see all the stuff you're doing on there. So how's it, how's it going for it's, you? Are you liking I it? Mean, I like it. it. I feel like it hasn't really taken off for me. Um, you got to promote the shit out of it. But I, uh, I, I did take some time away from it and mm-hmm. uh, kind of rethought how I was going to approach it. Um, you know, I had all the different tiers and everything before. And, and now I, I, I restarted it a couple months ago and basically like, it's just a dollar like for anybody. Right. You get everything for a buck. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Exactly. Uh, You know, instead of trying to flood it with all the other stuff, um, because I don't have quite enough members on there to really warrant, you know, doing 
other stuff for 75 bucks a month anyway. Right. Uh, but, you know, I'd love to have more people on there. That'd be awesome. Hey, I post a shitload of stuff that I don't post on social media. I know. Uh, all my sketches and studies and and, uh, and processes and videos and things like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to flood it with even more content lately. Uh, and I'm going to have a lot more, you know, working towards this show. So excellent. Be plenty out there. Yeah, this is for you listening to the podcast. Go check out what's your. Uh, I'll put it in the description, but what's your your address on there? Just Jeremy Cross. Jeremy Cross. Cool. Yeah, patreoncom slash Jeremy Cross. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's definitely one one. You can't, like I said, a dollar. You cannot go wrong. I mean, come on, throw throw the guy a buck. If everybody did it on your Instagram, you'd probably be doing pretty great, right? Right. Yeah. We'd be doing all right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's nice though, because like, you know, I, I, the people that I have on there, I know that they're really into what I do and they're truly supportive and I right. appreciate the hell out of them. And it's nice to have anybody care that much about me to just be like, you know, here's a buck a month. Yeah. It's it, amazing. It feels good. Yeah. It's no amazing. Who they are. <laughs> that's, that's how I see it. Like the Patreon people are the real serious, hardcore uh, fans or whatever you want to call them, uh, collectors or uh, patrons, basically. I mean, these are the people that are willing to just put out a little bit of money. So that's that uh, that says a lot to us artists, you know. Anything to keep us in brushes and paint. Yes, you're doing a service for the world when you're doing when you're supporting Patreon. Really, tr- truly is. Um, so that's cool. So you got your show coming in in October. You got your Patreon going. You have any other uh, exciting news before we go? Um, sure. I could talk about this, uh, since it's official, the gallery is moving. No way. Yep. It's really cool. Where? Um, so, you know, we, we've been on this space for about three years and it's, it's decent size, but we needed to grow. Yeah. And, that's, um, that's Jeremy, my partner also owns an amazing place called the fourth horseman. also in Long Beach. Which I is know. Pizza, punk rock, metal, pizza, beer bar. I'm so bummed I had to leave. I had to leave, but uh, someone told me that vegan pizza was amazing. The vegan pizza is seriously amazing. I'm not vegan, and I eat vegan pizza there because it's that good. Wow. Um, They have the best vegan pizza in Long Beach, voted three times or something in a year. Anyway, (laughs) so the space right behind that, which is larger than where we're at now, came open. Oh, my God. Perfect. The idea to combine the two businesses, and now the gallery is going to be accessible through the fourth horseman. Oh, he's going to clean up. <laughs> and we have a much cooler, much bigger space with more walls, more room. That is such a great idea. Built-in clientele on both sides. That's amazing. Oh, it's going to be so, it's going to be huge, man. Aren't you excited? I'm insanely excited about it. When's the move happening? Um, we are going to start working on the space this week. Um, we'll find out whether or not it's going to be ready before the next show or the March show, but definitely by March. Well, let me know when, when it's ready and I'll make a, uh, you know, I pre-record the little intros. I'll, I'll give a shout out um, when it's when it's done because that sounds like an amazing idea. Oh, that'd be awesome, man. Yeah, it's, it's going to be cool. Like, we have a pretty interesting vision for how this is going to work out it's anybody who doesn't like it's just silly because it's going to be rad yeah i can imagine i can imagine it sounds amazing well i appreciate you taking the time man i um i have to run and go uh uh, do do this thing but um it was great to learn about you um and I, i learned a lot uh about 
you know, while you're painting what you're painting, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I love your work. I, I appreciate what you're doing. And, and like I said, I'm glad that we have, you know, you as one of the dark artists that we can, you know, part of the tribe. It's awesome. I think you're gonna have the weird little idiot in the corner. Right? <laughs> I didn't mean it like that at all. I didn't mean it like that. I meant it's showing something that uh, not a lot of dark art is doing. If any, I can't think of any really. Chris Mars a little bit maybe, but yours is more in a. It's different. It's more like you could make a a uh, a a cartoon series on Adult Swim out of your stuff. Yeah, hear that adult swim. Let's do that shit. I can see that <laughs> happening, and it would be funny. You know, I could just see it. It's like I guess you you got that, you know, sense of humor in there and stuff too. So, anyway, yeah, that's something I've really tried to embrace lately is the sense of humor about it. Take it a little less seriously. Yeah, so, you got yeah. to. You got to. Well, it's it's been in my honor, Chet. Um, you know, I've always looked up to you and appreciated your friendship. And uh, this was this was a real great treat for me. So thank you. I appreciate it a lot. Oh, my pleasure, man. I, I appreciate you taking the time. And um, uh, that was it was a great interview. Uh, everybody who's listening, if you want to support the Dark Art Society podcast, uh, you can do it for as little as a dollar a month, as well as Jeremy's patreon hit that up too i mean once you're on there and you have an account it's so easy just to throw a buck and you, you'll never miss it you know it's like a buck a buck a month it's nothing um so yeah patreon point to your witcher <laughs> patreon.com slash dark art society patreon.com slash jeremy cross um yeah so uh i guess uh that's it so thank you all for listening thank you jeremy for coming on the show and Thanks, Jen. let's say goodbye to everybody goodbye everybody Bye, everybody. Bye.